Welcome to a life-changing encounter with the Word of God presented to you by Reverend Bright Nkrumah, the senior pastor at the Kodesh Family Church, Bronx North. He is an anointed pastor and teacher of the Word of God, affecting many lives. Now, get ready to be transformed by this message. Amen. Wonderful. Well, why don't you rise to your feet and let us pray as we come before the Lord to hear his word. Father, we are thankful. We are grateful. Lord, our hearts are full of thanksgiving. We are truly grateful, Lord, for your mercies that you have shown us. We are thankful, Lord, for the gift of life that you have counted us worthy to keep us in the land of the living. We thank you for your provision throughout the year, throughout the pandemic. Oh, Lord God, when many lost their jobs, you preserved our jobs. When many could not find food to eat and they stayed in lines and queues to find food, Lord, you fed us every day. You never let us go hungry. And Father, you clothe us and you provided us with shelter. Father, and greatly, you provided us with health. There are some of us, Lord, who were even affected by the virus. But Lord, we saw your mighty hand lifting us up, keeping our health up. Oh God, there are some of us who were in the midst of diseases, in the midst of infected people. But Lord, your supernatural covering has been around us. You have protected us. You have kept us. You have preserved us. And we are confident, Lord, that that same Jesus, who was, who is, and who shall be forever, you will continue to keep us also. We thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for our church. We thank you for our fathers. We thank you, Lord, for the vision of this church. We thank you, Lord, for preserving and keeping us as a family. We are grateful, Lord, even our, for our children. Father, there are many children who have been infected. Oh, God, Lord, you have kept our children. You have protected them and you have preserved them. And, Lord, your word says, of all that you have given us, we have lost none except the son of perdition. Father, indeed, if there is anyone that is not with us today, we know, Lord, that is the son of perdition. But for the ones that you have given us, Lord, by your grace, we have lost none. We thank you for your wonders, for your mercies, and for your love. This afternoon, Lord, as we come before you, give us of your spirit to lead us and guide us. Give us hearing ears and receiving hearts. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands now for the Lord. And please be seated. Well, this afternoon, we are continuing with our message on frugality. And this is perhaps the last of the few chapters that we are going to read on frugality. And so, I want us to turn our books, if you have it, to... Um, chapter 6, the principle of needing no supervision. We have these three last three chapters and we're done with the book. So frugality, chapter 3, the principle of needing 
no supervision. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 6 and 7. Proverbs chapter 6, verses number 6 and 7. It says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provided her meat in the summer, and gathered her food in the harvest hallelujah so we are talking about the principle of needing no supervision and the scripture is exhorting us to go to the ant the ant which has no supervision no overseer no guide no one to direct it but he knows to work to gather his food and preserve the food during the harvest period that the ant will have food when the harvest is gone and the bible says we should go and learn how the ant works without supervision amen so if you are the type of worker who needs no supervision you can be paid the additional money that would have otherwise been paid to a supervisor hallelujah are you hearing me if you are a worker and you don't need supervision and someone ought to supervise you then you pay you'll be paid less but if you don't need a super, if you don't need a supervisor then the money that would have otherwise been paid to a supervisor will be added to your money that is why people who don't need supervision earn so much money hallelujah if your employer needs to employ someone to supervise you then your supervisor will be paid more to ensure that you work well. Isn't that so? That is the work of the supervisor. To ensure that you work well. The supervisor will make sure that you come to work in time. You come to work the right time. You slot in the right time. And then you do your work. Amen. That is the work of a supervisor. That is what somebody is paid to do. Just to watch you, that you work well, that you be on time, that you show up when you are supposed to show up. Amen. Someone to discipline you when you don't show up. Wow. You see, this is the real reason why the person who supervises you is paid more. And you realize no employer needs a worker who has to be told when it's time for him to wake up when it's time to come to work and how to work no employer lies that and god is our employer the scripture says we are laborers together with god we are god's husbandry we are god's workmanship we work with god god is our supervisor and we are saying that no employer no employer will like workers who ought to be told when to wake up who ought to be told when to come to work to be on time and to do how to do your work if you have to do that then you are not going to pay that person much if you have to hire someone to ensure that the person is doing the work then you are not going to pay the person who is doing the work so much money are you listening to me 
That is why supervisors get more money. Because employers like people who ensure that the work is done. That is all the employer wants. The employer wants the work done and done well. Are you listening to me? The employer is not interested in paying you at all. He's interested in getting the work done and done well. So if the employer will pay someone more money to make sure that the work is done, then he will pick the person and pay the person more money so that the work gets done. Hallelujah. But the more somebody can work without supervision, the more the employer values such a person. When you are a person who can work without supervision, oh, you are a favorite of the employer. If you are a leader and you have people who can work without supervision, it's a great blessing. People that you don't have to chase, you don't have to tell, you don't have to let them account for. If you have people like that, it's a great blessing. And that is what every employer wants. Hallelujah. That is what every employer wants. If you are working for God, you are, you, you, you are God's husbandry, and we are working for God, God wants you to be able to work without supervision also. Amen. So he says, go to the ant, thou sluggard, or thou lazy one. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, having no overseer or ruler, provided her meat in the summer and gathered her food in the harvest. Hallelujah. Bishop talks about a documentary where an American airline flight crashed somewhere in South America. And it was Boeing 757 with about 195 people on board. He says, during the flight, the co-pilot was the one flying the plane and not the main captain, not the captain himself. So one survivor, there were about four survivors from that plane crash, but one survivor recounted that he heard the co-pilot saying, we are approaching the airport. The weather is very good. Visibility is clear and there is no problem. Suddenly, they heard a loud bang and the lights went out. The survivor, the one of the few survivors, woke up later in the hospital just after the passengers had been assured of arriving safely, a terrible accident occurred and almost everybody was killed except those four survivors. So there was a recorded conversation between the captain and the co-pilot which was quite revealing. And what was the case was that the co-pilot was totally lost. He was lost, but because this, the, the captain was not supervising him, he thought he was in the right place. He thought he was at the airport, but he was totally lost. And what he thought was clear visibility and the airport was actually a mountain. And they crashed into the mountain when he thought he was landing. You see, so this was an unfortunate situation. This was a man who needed to be supervised constantly in order to avoid killing many people. 
And that is exactly what he did. So such a person will never be paid more than the main captain. Because he constantly needs to be supervised. He constantly has to be a co-pilot. That means whenever he's there, someone else ought to be with him. Are you listening? So such a person will not be paid a whole lot of money. The captain himself, if the captain himself had been flying the plane, it might have been a different situation or different story altogether. Isn't that so? So you will realize that people who work for themselves, such as businessmen, for instance, you will realize that you will find them even in the office late hours. Now, you who needs a supervisor, no one will find you in the office late hours. In the first place, if I'm working 9 to 5 and you get to work, you will not start work until it's 9 a.m. You're having your coffee, you're having your this, you're taking your time, sometimes wiping things, making, just be there. Even if something needs to be done, you say, it's not my time yet. And you start nine on the dot, if you will. And then 5 p.m., no matter what is happening, you stop. Sometimes even because it's going to take you time to get out of the building, you give yourself about 10 minutes to stop doing everything. Can I have a witness? Because you need a supervisor. Amen. You need a supervisor. But the private man, a businessman who owns his own business, you'll find him late hours working. Sometimes they come to church, and at the end of the service, after they have finished their meetings and everything, they go back to the office on Sunday, working late night. Hallelujah. That is a person who needs no supervision. And... You want to be that person. If you want to do well in life, you want to prosper, you want to earn more, your goal is to work such that you need no supervision. Amen. And it starts as Christians, it should start with your relationship with God. That you need no supervision to come to church. You need no supervision to be on time. Amen. You need no supervision. You don't need to be called before you come to church. That is how you prosper spiritually also. Don't you think if you are God and you are also an employer, you will pay more the person who needs no supervision to do things always on time, will be here late working, doing things on time and appropriately and working well? Won't you pay that person more? So would you be surprised when someone who is sacrificing without supervision is going to prosper? Would you be surprised? If I was God, I would make such a person also prosper because employers pay more to the people who need no supervision. Amen. I believe this message on frugality is so timely for us towards the end of the year to make certain changes in life. As 2022 is coming. And I believe our lives are going to change. Amen. Amen. I know people who started out as drivers. 
but have risen to become managers because they needed no supervision. I tell you, if you are an employer, you see a driver who is working always on time, stays. You have not even asked him things, but he takes it upon himself to clean the car, takes it to a wash, does this, makes sure that everything is working. Goes above and beyond. And you own a company and there's a managerial position, would you not consider this driver? You won't consider. So no matter what position you are in, have the attitude of working without supervision. That you do your work very well even when there is no supervision. If you are reliable enough to work without supervision, you will rise. You will not waste all the opportunities that you have. Say amen. Amen. Then the principle of not chasing fantasies. The principle of not chasing fantasies. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 19. If you have the NIV. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 19. It says, Proverbs 28, 19. He who works his, his land, are you listening? He who works his land will have abundant food. But the one who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. You will be poor. He says, he who works his land, that means everyone has his or her own land. And he who works his land will have abundant food. But the one who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. Amen. You will be poor. You will have your fill of poverty. That means you will have poverty to the fullest. When you chase after fantasies. So here, the scripture is telling us that if a man has a piece of land right before him and works on it or makes use of it he will have more than enough food to eat if the man works on the land that he has the land that is available to him he focuses on that land and concentrates on that land and uses that land the scripture is saying you will have more than enough to eat Amen. But if this man rather chases after what he imagines, chases after what he imagines, he can get from some, what he imagines that he can get from somewhere else, then he will be poor forever. That is very true. If your focus will not be on what is available to you, the land that is provided you, but you are chasing after fantasies. That means you are chasing after what is not available to you, what you do not have, that your eyes are on what are not available to you, then you have poverty all of your life. Amen. So for this man, the difference between abundance and poverty, are you listening? The difference between prosperity and poverty, 
The difference between abundance, to have abundance or to be poor, will be determined by whether he works on the piece of land that he has or whether he runs after imaginary things. I want you to listen very carefully because we are coming to a point. The difference between your prosperity, the difference between that you will prosper versus that you will be poor, this is what the Bible is saying. Do we believe in the Bible? Okay, I'm reading the Bible. It says the difference between your poverty and prosperity is that you are able to focus on the land that is before you or you focus on imaginary things that, you are, that are not yours. So the piece of land here could be your profession, it could be your job, or it could be your property. So the piece of land we are talking about is not some land to build. We are talking about what is available to you. That means your profession. What salary your profession can give you. Or what amount of money this property that you have can give you. What your job can give you. If that is your focus, your focus is on what your job can give you or what your profession can give you, then you will be the kind of person who will prosper. Amen. You may own a shop or a restaurant. You may be a teacher. You may be a doctor. You may be a photographer. Whatever the profession he must make good use of it. Whatever your income, you must make good use of it. That is how you are going to prosper. Amen. Now it says, unfortunately, many people waste their lives chasing fantasies. Fantasies, do you know what they are? You know what are fantasies? Fantasies are things that are not real. And I'll give you a very classic example very soon. Fantasies are things that are not real. They are things that are not in your hands. So you, you tell me, what are some of the fantasies? What, are, what, what is a classic example of fantasy that you have right now? You don't know. You want me to tell you? You are pretending like you don't know. Credit card. That credit card that is in your wallet right now is a great fantasy. It is a source of poverty. Are you listening? It is a source of poverty. It is, a, it is, it is what makes the difference between who will prosper and who will be poor. Credit card. Credit card is a fantasy. Credit card is an imaginary thing. Credit, period, is an imaginary thing. It is the world's value that, yes, you have to have credit. But God has given us wisdom. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? God has given us wisdom. Credit card in your hand, when they give you a credit limit of $25,000, is not your money. That is an imaginary money. That is a fantasy. Are you listening? That you just graduated from school 
or you just have this job and so they have given you a card to put is that card money is that money that they have given you a card to put in your wallet and you walk around Five thousand limit, and I have ten thousand limit. Limit. It's a fantasy. It's an imaginary thing. And so, whenever your mind is on it to spend that, you are spending something that is not real. You are spending something that you do not have. And the scripture is saying, if you can just spend on what you have. What is yours? What is before you? The land that is before you. The amount of money that that small job that you have can give you. If your spending, your expenditure is limited to that, then you will prosper. Then you will prosper. Amen. Then you will prosper. Some of you, you know your ability. You know, you know the kind of degree that you can have. Young people, I'm talking to you. You know your ability. From, from nursery through kindergarten, you know your ability. As of now, if you are in college, you know your ability. You know how much you can study. You know how far you can go. And you know the kind of jobs that you can have. So if you are going to school and you are going to take loans that are beyond what you can ever earn, you will never prosper. You will never prosper. Because you know you can never become a professional that earns so much of this money enough to pay what you are going to owe. You will not prosper. So to choose and say that I will go to this school by all means, I will go here by all means, here and I will do this by all means, you are incurring imaginary credit, imaginary money that you think is yours, that you think is available to you, but you are going to owe that money the rest of your life. And everything that comes to you will be the land that is before you and will never be able to pay off that loan. You know your ability. You know how much you can study. You know, I encourage all of you to do the best. To do the best. I encourage you. But the reality is that you know yourself. We can push you. We can encourage you. We can, we can exhort you. But you know yourself. Amen. You know the home that you are coming from. That is the land that is before you. Are you listening? That is the land that is before you. So if you are not going to till the land that is before you, and you are going to look for imaginary things. Sometimes certain apartments are imaginary things. Sometimes certain homes are imaginary things. They are beyond you. Sometimes certain cars are imaginary things. They are beyond you. Are you learning something? Fantasies are things that are not real. 
there are things that are not in your hands. They are not in your hands. You sometimes, you, you try to use a credit card to take money. You see how much they will charge you. To take money to make it real like the money is in your hand. You try. You see how much they charge you. Or you don't know. Look, the wisdom of credit card is that you will use it when you have the land that is before you. Because the system is such that you have to have some. You have to have what they call credit card or credit. Do you understand? Credit score. It means that you are a responsible borrower. What a shock. You are a responsible borrower. So you also use wisdom and say, I'm not going to borrow, but I will pretend to borrow. Are you listening? You only pretend to borrow so that you also meet them in the system. So if you have a credit card and you have money that is usable, and I'm saying usable because I will explain something to you. If you have money that is usable, if you have $500 and it's in your account, that is not $500 that is usable because you want to have savings also. If you are spending and you are spending your savings, you are spending imaginary money. You don't understand what I'm saying. If you are going to buy a pair of shoes and what you have in your account is $100 and that pair of shoes costs $100, you are spending imaginary money because you want to have savings. So if you are spending all that you have, you are spending imaginary money. You are spending what ought to have been savings. Are you listening? So if the usable money is $45 and it's going to leave you how much? $55 in your account. Then $45 is usable money. And then you use a credit card and spend $45 on a credit card. And then as soon as the bill comes, you sometimes you don't have to wait for the bill to come. On your way home, you pass by the bank and then pay $45 onto the credit card. You have end credit. That's all. You have end credit. You have end credit. Are you listening? So if you, you are going to buy something for $1,000, do you see? You are going to pay for something for $1,000 and the $1,000 is in your account. Then to use that wisdom to beat the system so that you pretend to be a good borrower, then you use your credit card and pay for the thousand dollars and then you come and you take your thousand dollars and pay into the credit card. You are a good borrower. In other words, you never spend any money on a credit card that you don't have already to pay for it. Credit cards are never designed to pay minimum per month. What is that? 
and you think you are doing very well in life. Whenever it comes, you pay your minimum. And you say, what do they say? I am up with my payments. Is that what they say? Are you listening? This is the wisdom. And you will prosper if that is your life. Let there not be any month at the end of the month that you say, I have credit card bills. You should never have credit card bills. There should never be a month that passes that there is a bill on your credit card. Never. Once you have that, it's an imaginary spending. And the Bible says that you will not prosper in that sense. You will not prosper. Young people, are you listening to me? If you do this, you will do very well. You will prosper. And the the, the banks will be amazed at your wisdom. They will be amazed at your wisdom. And they'll say you have 850 credit score. And you never ever had paid any interest on credit cards. It is not wisdom to pay interest on credit cards. Anytime you are paying interest on credit cards, you are spending imaginary money. You are chasing after fantasies. You are buying things that you cannot afford. You don't like my message. You see you. You see you. You don't like the message. And I'm just reading the Bible. He says, instead of concentrating on going to school, some people rather chase after visas, travel to Europe and America. By the grace of God, you don't need to chase after those things. (laughs) You are here. By the grace of God. Amen. He said there was a young man who was brilliant academically. And I I know one. I know a friend of mine when we were in school. Very brilliant guy. Very brilliant. But constantly, he was doing what they call Kamsaw. Have you heard that before? Because he wanted to go to America. And every time, that is what his focus was on. Studying for the SAT, doing this, doing that, studying for this. Applying to this school, mailing letters, calling this, doing this constantly. And failing his classes in school. And he didn't care because he's not, he think, his thought was that I'm going to leave you people here, you know. And he, this is a typical example that Bishop gave here. I know one. And Bishop is saying, this young man who was brilliant academically, he personally encouraged him to go to school and even promised to pay his school fees. But he insisted on traveling to America. For the past six years, he's been waiting for his visa, chasing the fantasy of traveling to America for six good years. Imagine that. Six years, he could have finished medical school. People are looking for something elsewhere. When there is something right before them. He said there is someone who became a millionaire just by taking photographs. 
He started out by taking photographs in the church and became a millionaire. You know, sometimes God just puts something just before you. But your mind is on something else. Sometimes God just puts in your hand just to take photographs in church. Sometimes God puts in your heart just to sing in church. Do you know that most of the great musicians and stars, they started singing in church? But they were doing it faithfully. And they were focusing on that. And then somebody will identify you. Are you listening? David was just playing in the, in the fields. And somebody identified him. He was just worshipping the Lord. Worshipping. Playing his harp in the fields. And that brought him to the palace. So, the, the, the land that God places before you, he wants you to focus on it. And till that land. And that will cause you to prosper. Rather than chasing after fantasies. Focus on your schooling. Focus on the course that you are doing. And stop chasing after fantasies. This is what is before you right now. This is the land that the Lord has placed before you. Focus on that. Let all your mind be on that. And take your minds off fantasies. God will use that to make you prosper. I say God will use that. You see, one thing about the word of God is that God watches over his word and he ensures that if you are applying it, he makes sure that it works for you. Yes. He makes sure that it works for you. Since when God blesses you with something, use it. There are things that are right before your eyes, your own eyes. Yet, we don't want them. There's something else we pray. Hallelujah. May your eyes be on what God has given you. May your eyes be on what the Lord has given you. May your eyes be on the church that God has given you. May your eyes be on the pastor that the Lord has given you. And stop fantasizing. Fantasizing. Hallelujah. He says, There are Christians who have good churches with good pastors, honest men and women of integrity, but they would rather go around chasing other things. Whenever they hear that a powerful man of God is working wonders somewhere, they jump on the, ba- on the bandwagon. When they hear of a new church, they flock there. Jesus calls them sign seekers, and he says they are devils. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 39. An evil and wicked generation. Matthew 12 and 39. Jesus says, it's not me, please. So sometimes as pastors, you wonder what such church members are looking for. What counts, what counts is faithfulness. Being faithful is what counts. A good Christian must be able to faithfully stay or abide in one church where he will receive nourishment. Paul said, I thank Christ Jesus, the Lord, that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. You see? So he says, there is one thing God will consider before he puts you in the ministry. It is not ability. It is not anointing. It is not talent. What God counts before he puts you in the ministry 
is faithfulness. 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 When God met Moses, all the, Moses could not speak. He was a stutterer, and he didn't even feel calls. He didn't feel any anointing. There was no power in him. But God saw. He said to Miriam and Aaron, He said, "As for my servant Moses, he is faithful in all of my house." That is all God saw in him, and God chose him. So when God wants to use you, when God wants to bring something great in your life, what he's looking for is faithfulness. Faithfulness. That he will say, thou good and faithful servant. Faithfulness. Hallelujah. When you are faithful and stable with what he has put right before you, he will promote you. Amen. God will promote you if he sees faithfulness in you. And you will do the same thing. If you are an employer, you will promote those who are faithful to you. Those who are constant. You will never promote someone who has, you you look at the resume and they have had six jobs within three years. You will not consider that person for promotion. Amen. And finally, principle of word-based valuation. Principle of word-based valuation. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, it says, He hath showed thee what is good. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. Micah 6 verse 8. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. So word-based valuation can be done by valuing things on the basis of what the Bible says. Are you listening? So, you ought to be a word-based valuation. You ought to value things based on the word of God. You determine the value of things based on what the word of God says. That is word-based valuation. Amen. It's not about what you think. The word of God is God himself. So when you value things according to God's word, then you will be acting in the will of God. God is wiser than us. How many of you agree? God is wiser than us. God knows more than we do. So I believe that God is the one who can tell us what is important. Isn't that so? If God is wiser than you and I, then we agree that God is the one who can tell us what is important. If it is God who can tell you and I what is important, then we need to be interested in what God says all the time. That is when the word of God becomes valuable to you. Hallelujah. Alan, that is when you you, you yearn to know what God says about something you want to do. That is when it becomes so precious and so important to you that when you rise up, you read the word of God. That whatever the word of God says, you take it as valuable and precious. Amen. It is God who can tell you and I what is important. You know, there was, there's a town or a place, a village in Ghana called Akwetia, I think a lot of you may know. And in that place, you know, children maybe in many years ago were playing with stones. 
Stones that they throw and then when it flashes in the, in the sun, it glitters. And it was very nice to them. So they would throw to one another. And they would throw some and they would go into the river. And then they would pick another one. And they throw it at one another. That They thought, in our village, this is the kind of stones we play with. They didn't know what the value is until someone shows up. And then someone says, hey, stop throwing those stones. Stop throwing those stones. Go home. <laughs> I'll buy you balls. Nice footballs and baseballs and all kinds of balls that you can play with. Don't touch these stones anymore. They will hurt you. And the people started gathering the stones. And then they find out later, many years, that these stones are real valuable diamonds. Diamonds that they were just throwing around. So don't you think that the moment they learn about the value of these stones, they will also start gathering them. And they will start treating them differently. When you know the value of something, your attitude towards that thing changes. Amen. Your value of that thing changes. Amen. When you don't know the value of something and you get to know it, such as these villages, it could change your life. That thing can change your life. When suddenly you know the value of something, it can change your life. And that is what it did to this town. Your life could improve. Your earning power could increase because you were given the right information about something. It is the word of God which can show you what is valuable. The word of God has a lot of instructions as to what is valuable. For instance, the Bible tells us what is more valuable than money. And the Bible says a good name rather is to be chosen than great riches. That is what the Bible says. But you may choose riches over good name. And so I am saying that base your evaluation of things on the word of God. Don't think that riches are better than good name. Don't compromise good name for riches. Are you listening? Don't let people speak badly about you but you are making a lot of money and you don't care. Good name is rather to be chosen than riches. That is what the Bible says. That is what the Bible says. You may not know how valuable a good name is. As a pastor, I have come to see that every man of God has a good name and a bad name. There are some places where a man of God will go and he will, as it were, have a good name. And others where he will have a bad name. It, is, it often depends on whether your, enemy friend, your enemies have been there or your friends have been there. If your enemies have been in a certain place, you have a bad name. And if your friends have been in a certain place, you have a, bad, a good name. There is someone who left this church and went to another place. And in that place, we have bad name. Are you listening? What a shock. Yes, it's real. 
And then there's another place also when someone has gone there and we have good names and the pastor will call and wow, how these people speak highly of you and so on and so forth. So you have good name and a bad name. But through it all, the Bible says that prefer to have a good name. Hallelujah. He says there are so many Christians who do not have biblical reasons for the things they do. I have biblical reasons for the things I'm doing. The physical is more important to people than the spiritual. I have often asked for the reasons behind some of the things Christians do. The Bible says, for instance, in Matthew 16, 26, it says, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The Bible says that there is nothing in this world that is more valuable than your soul. But you see, you don't believe it. You don't believe it. And I'm exhorting you that begin to use the word of God to value things. That your soul is more valuable than having riches. That even if they were to give you all the skyscrapers in Manhattan, or all the apartment buildings in the Bronx, that all the rent comes to you every month, all the rental apartments in the Bronx, if they were to give them to you, including the skyscrapers and the commercial buildings in Manhattan, if they were to give that to you, don't trade your soul for that. You see, it baffles your mind. You can't even understand it. How? My soul alone? If I die, I die. Let my soul, I will enjoy all the apartments in the Bronx and all the skyscrapers and all the fun commercial buildings in Manhattan. That is my soul. How long am I going to live? And in hell, how long shall we live in hell? You see, and the Bible is saying that your soul is more precious than all of the wealth that can be given to you. Amen. So base your assessment of things on the word of God. It doesn't matter what the word of God says. It does not matter what the word of God says. Even if it is contrary to your thinking. Even if it sounds bad in your mind to do. Jeremiah 42 verse 6. It says, whether it be good or whether it be evil... We will obey the voice of our Lord, our God. Whether it be good or it be evil. We will obey the voice of our God. Hallelujah. This means you should obey the word of God no matter what it says. It may not sound very good. It may sound very difficult. But as long as it is the word, it is the word. Hallelujah. As long as God has spoken... Take it that it is absolutely the best and is perfect, is the best. If God has spoken, take it that it is the best option for you. Amen. Says it is the word of God which can tell you what is important, what is good, and what is right. Micah 6 8. He has showed thee, O man, what is good. Hallelujah. He has showed thee what is good. You know, there are so many word-based valuations in the Bible. For instance, in Psalm 84, verse 10, Psalm 84, verse 10, another valuation 
that may be contrary to your thinking and contrary to the thinking of many of us who are not here today. The Bible says, are you listening? It says, for a day in thy court is better than a thousand elsewhere. A day in the house of God, like this day that you have chosen to be here, I tell you, what you have heard, if you apply it, it will be better if you had worked thousand days elsewhere. The wisdom that I have taught you just today from the word of God. Thousand elsewhere of working will not give you this wisdom. And you will not prosper compared to this, what you have learned today. And if all of you young people, you know, as for as some of us old people, sometimes it's a little late. Do you understand? But still, we'll pick up. And what is left, we will recover. But for you young people, if you will apply this wisdom that you have learned today, and even go home and go back on the podcast and listen to it again, and apply it to your lives, you will see how you prosper. None of you here will be poor. I can guarantee you that. None of you here will be poor. None of you will be poor. Because you are going to do this based on the word of God. And the word of God is ever true. And he's saying that for a day in the courts is better, is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. That is valuation. That means value attendance to church than elsewhere, anything else that you are working and because of that you cannot come, God says, don't choose that. That you say, I was too tired and I was sleepy and I couldn't come to church. God said, don't say that. You'd rather be here and be tired to go to work. You'd rather be here. You'd rather be here than be tired and go to work. You'd rather choose being tired to go to work or being tired to be here than rest and go to work. Are you listening? You see, because you feel that I have to rest. I have to sleep so I can go to work. I have to sleep so I can study. God said that choose to be in his house and lose that sleep. That is better. That is valuation. Amen. Proverbs 15 verse 16, the Bible says, better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble therewith. It is better to have little and fear God than to have great treasure, to have a lot and be in trouble. Valuation. And the last powerful valuation that I want to give you is Matthew 6 and verse 33. And it says, but seek ye first. You are valuing what I should do first in life. What should be my priority? What should I do first? Should I do this first or that first? The Bible is giving you what is valuable. And the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all the other things, let them be second. Because those, you don't have to even seek for them. God says, they will be added to you. They will be added to you. That is valuation. Amen. That is valuation. And so he says, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good 
The word of God has showed thee. God has showed thee, oh man, what is good. Just choose that and you will prosper. The word of God gives light. It gives life and it gives direction. God expects the Christians to seek what he says concerning any situation. Any situation that you encounter. Michelle, God wants you to seek his word concerning that. Any situation, any condition, any situation, whether it's marriage, whether it's a job, whether it's schooling, whatever the situation is, God says, seek his word concerning that. Seek his word concerning that. It means, yes, you have an exam that you have to write, but God says, do your quiet time first before you study. Believe him. Believe in God. Believe in God. I have seen people who have chosen this, who have chosen this, and they go to sit to write an exam because they couldn't do as they ought to have done. And you see, God is an amazing God. And he says, Reverend, and I remember this particular person that during the time he was having this difficult exam, but he says he had to be in church. And when he finished, he went home, did the best that he could, went for the exam. And whilst he was sitting in front of the exam, whilst he was sitting in front of the exam, the questions, multiple choice questions, all the right answers highlighted. Uh, highlighted. He goes to this one, highlighted. He goes to the next one, highlighted. You know? You see? We don't faithfully serve God, so we don't experience it. But God's word, he watches over it and he performs it. He says, it's because of me that you couldn't study, you will pass. It's because of me that you couldn't get this job. It's because of me that you didn't make this trip. You didn't move here because of my work. You will prosper. He will plant you here and you will prosper. If only you say, I could have gotten this job there. But when I go, I have work to do. Father, for your work's sake, I will stay and keep this job. He will make you prosper. I tell you. He will make you prosper. He will make you prosper. Believe in the word of God. And you will do well. Believe in his word. And you will do well. Hallelujah. So the word of God is true. The word of God is powerful. Frugality is a way to maximize the mega resources. At your disposal. So apply these principles and you'll prosper. Please apply these principles. Go back and read this book again. Read it. You see, the Bible says that everything shall pass away. Everything. 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 But one thing that will not pass away is the word of God. It is the word of God. So stick to the word and you will prosper. Put your hands together for the Lord and rise to your feet. Let's bring the service to a close. Father, we are thankful and grateful for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us and guiding us into your word this afternoon. We are grateful, Lord. Give us the grace to obey your word. Lord, let us rise up beyond human wisdom and the challenges of this world. Let us rise up and obey your word in the name of Jesus. That we will stand on your word in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, 
We believe you have been blessed with this powerful message. Come worship with us at the Kodesh Family Church located at 1810 Randall Avenue, Bronx, New York at 2 p.m. every Sunday. God bless you.